0: Welcome to Mandatory Monday on Check with Chip. I'm Chip Maxwell. You should check with Chip every day, but Mondays are mandatory. Let's begin with highlights from Attorney General William Barr's interview last week with Bill Hemmer of Fox News. I've been trying to get answers to questions and I
1: found that a lot of the answers have been inadequate and I have also found that uh, some of the explanations I've gotten don't hang together so in in a sense I have more questions today than I did when I first started. Some of what things don't hang together? Some of the explanations of what occurred. Why does that matter? Because I think people have to find out what the government was doing during that period. If we're if we're worried about foreign influence for the very same reason we shouldn't be worried about whether government officials abuse their power and put their thumb on the scale and and so i'm not saying that happened uh... but i'm saying that we have to look at that the president calls this a witch hunt he calls it a hoax do you agree with that well as i I've, I've said if if you were the president i think you would view it as a as a witch hunt and a hoax uh... because at the time he was saying he, he was innocent and that he was being falsely accused. And that's, if you're falsely accused, uh, you would think that something was a witch hunt. I have to say, you know, when you step back and look at this, two 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 and a half years of his administration, three years of Trump, you know, the campaign and then the first part of his administration, uh, he has been hammered uh, for something, uh, you know, for allegedly conspiring with the Russians. And that, we now know that was simply false. Are you comfortable using those words, witch hunt? hoax? I use what words I use, and and it was an investigation, but I think if I had been falsely accused, I'd I'd be comfortable saying it was a a witch hunt.
0: You're
2: okay with him testifying?
1: Absolutely. He works for you? Yes. Or under you? Yes.
2: Or did? What seems to be the holdup? Jerry Nadler said this week it will happen soon. Perhaps it happens in June or not. Do you have any information on that?
1: My understanding is that uh, Chairman uh, Nadler is talking this over with uh, bob Mueller and his staff and trying to schedule it so you've expected to happen i have no reason to think it won't do you believe members of Mueller's team around
2: him put pressure on him to include certain aspects in that report
1: i don't want to speculate because i just don't know do you believe he gave in
2: any of that pressure
1: i don't want to speculate i really wasn't there to watch the interaction of his staff
2: Let's move further into that that aspect of this because you you are being heavily criticized by Democrats, by the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She believes you lied under oath. What do you think of that charge?
1: Well, I think it's a, it's a laughable charge, and I think it's largely being made to try to discredit me. Partly because they may be concerned about the outcome of a, of a review of what happened during the uh, during the election. What does that mean? that means they may be trying to under, undermine my credibility, but uh, obviously you can look at the face of my testimony and see on its face that there's nothing uh, inaccurate about it.
0: You must explain this, fellow conservative political evangelists, to people in the circles of life in which you travel. Let's summarize. Barr says they're going after me because I am looking at what our government did to mess with the 2016 election. The left has been obsessed with Russia. There was nothing there, so I don't blame a falsely accused man for calling it a witch hunt. Sure, let's have Mueller testify to Congress the sooner the better. Meanwhile, no one has looked at what shenanigans our government engaged in to unethically and perhaps illegally tip the scales for one candidate and against another. Why bother with this Washington insider political blood sport? Because it affects the way the country is governed. It affects whether campaign promises matter and whether our votes matter. Or do the deep state swamp creatures get to neutralize election results and preserve the status quo no matter what? Why did we pursue Germany from Normandy all the way back to Berlin and exterminate the threat? Why did we pursue Japan all the way back to the home island and nuke the threat? Why are we pursuing ISIS to its base territory and eradicating that threat? If not eliminated, these deep state swamp creatures will keep attacking the Trump presidency. If they can't end it, they will try to stop it from succeeding any more than it has. The Trump agenda has stalled. Obamacare persists, border security is improving, but it's not yet what Trump voters voted for in 2016 there has been significant deregulation, but not what Steve Bannon described as the goal, the dismantling of the administrative state. I think the president finally realizes that he cannot ignore the threat from the deep state swamp creatures. I hope we are about to see a dredging of the swamp that has been decades overdue. On the other side of the world, things are heating up with Iran. David French is a never-Trumper who at times has moderated his anti-Trumpism, but people who consider themselves experts on foreign policy tend to dislike disruptors like Trump who don't follow established protocol. They didn't like Ronald Reagan telling the Soviet Union to tear down this wall in Berlin. They didn't like Trump rattling NATO's cage and telling little rocket man that if he picks a fight with America, it will be his last fight and they don't like Trump saying essentially the same thing to Iran. While we it, they don't like Trump telling China, we're not going to let you keep beating us up and taking our lunch money on trade. Back to Iran. The president tweeted, if Iran wants to fight, that will be the official end of Iran. Never threaten the United States again. Here's what David French had to say about the Iran situation on MSNBC.
1: This is not even Afghanistan or Iraq or Syria or any of the conflicts that have consumed this country for the last generation. A war with Iran, you say, would be far more dangerous than any of those.
3: Yeah, that's right. So you're talking about Iran, which has proxy forces and militia forces in, in Iran, in Iraq that we fought during the Iraq war that are incredibly formidable. Yeah, it's proxy forces in Syria, all of them that can strike American forces. It has the largest missile force in the region. It has an intact military. It can close the Straits of Hormuz, where about 30-plus percent of the world's crude oil exports go through. It can create an economic shock. Uh, In war games in the early 2000s, it went so badly for the U.S. Navy that they had to stop the war game and reset it, which is not to say that Iran would win a war with the U.S. Of course not. But it is to say that, you know, Senator Tom Cotton, who knows better, really underplayed the danger here when he told Margaret Hoover on Firing Line, it's two strikes, first strike, last strike. That's underplaying the danger here. You could see something. Again, American forces would prevail. But are the American people signing up to perhaps see American ships burning in the Persian Gulf? Are they signing up for the kind of economic shock that would result or the kind of casualties we could see? That's, again, why the administration has to come forward and explain the case. It just can't rely on unspecified intelligence to justify a really significant military buildup here.
2: David, it's Heidi Presbella. What tools does Congress have, though, if the administration does not provide that intelligence because you're already seeing grumbling on both sides of the aisle. You're seeing uh, comments from senators on both sides of the aisle that The White House is not authorized to launch another war, and yet you have an acting Department of Defense secretary, and you have folks like John Bolton uh, who are really driving the train on this. So what can Congress do if they're not sufficiently briefed? I guess we'll find out in the next week whether they get sufficient information.
3: Well, you know, that's the rub, right? This is why presidents have exercised such war-making authority in the recent years, is that Congress doesn't have those immediate tools. And we don't have anyone like General Mattis right now with the stature in that inner circle, I think, to stand up to the president. So the question is, what can they do? They can demand, uh, they can try to attach conditions to funding, but in the immediate short term, they don't have real power over the president other than the power to try to persuade.
0: That is good analysis of the threat and of the way the president seems to veer back and forth between libertarian distance from foreign military intervention to neocon hawkish engagement. I am not rooting for war with Iran, but I want more from David French and other Trump critics. What is your plan for stopping Iran from going nuclear, Don't just lecture the president and the rest of us on foreign policy principles and admire the problem. Tell us what you believe should be done. I conclude today with another offering from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Recently, AOC belittled Republicans and conservatives for being too stupid to catch the nuance of her dry sense of humor. You idiots! Thought I was serious when I said numerous times in numerous speeches and interviews that we're all going to die in 12 years because the world will be destroyed in a climate catastrophe unless we adopt the Green New Deal? I played for you one of many soundbites of AOC making exactly that claim without a hint of humor from her or anyone involved in the exchanges. But after getting hammered for her alarmist, apocalyptic pronouncements, she said it was intended as hyperbole to make a point, not actual fact. But then she came out with this. And I will be
2: damned if the same politicians who refused to act then are going to try to come back today and say we need a middle-of-the-road approach to save our lives. That is too much for me.
0: Again, apparently, I am not sophisticated enough to tune in to AOC. Is this also dry wit? It sounded rather severe and serious to me. It's a shot at Joe Biden as the poster boy for Democrats who, in AOC's view, have not been aggressive enough in implementing the climate change legislative agenda. Get out of the way, sleepy, creepy Uncle Joe. I'm the boss now. What we're really seeing is a behind-the-scenes battle among the handlers of AOC. You have the left-wing, ideological, socialist, environmentalist, true believers who want to shout truth to power at the Democratic Party as well as the rest of us. You also have the more jaded but savvy political operatives who are more interested in obtaining power than shouting at it. They are as leftist as the true believers, but they want to win. AOC is a tool, a lever, a weapon of convenience. The power seekers have invested a lot of money and effort in the AOC phenomenon. They want a return on the investment. They don't want her to blow it by becoming a cartoonish laughingstock. Biden is rising in polling of Democratic Party voters as AOC and other hardcore lefties get more hysterical in their rhetoric. Biden is not that much different ideologically, but he is a master of the Bill Clinton-Barack Obama model. Present a genial moderate facade as you advance liberal progressive socialist policies. It has been a successful formula for Democrats. There was that strange interval when AOC seemed to be moderating and mocked the rest of us for taking her at her word on climate catastrophe. I hope the true believers dominate the AOC camp. It's worth watching. If AOC ever decides to adopt that Clinton-Obama-Biden model, provide a genial facade for public consumption, and hide the leftist reality of her policies, she would become more dangerous than she already is. That's Mandatory Monday on Check with Chip. I'm Chip Maxwell. Thank you for listening.